The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance. Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon LLC, and Elemental Altitude Training Center. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls. I'm a CPA. And George, High Echelon is a PC. It's not an <laughs> LLC. We're actually um, in the state of Georgia. We have to be a professional corporation. We yeah. can't be an LLC. So, so because I, because you do tax stuff, you have to be you have to be. Yeah, a well, PC we're licensed by like the state board, and um, mm. no. But when in the intro, I couldn't figure out. I was like, the name of my company doesn't sound right. What did he like? What is what is the problem? But that's the problem. That's so. the problem. My bad. Anyway, Thank you for the quick tutorial. I appreciate <laughs> it. And I will get it right from now on. I promise. But um, if anybody wants an LLC, I'll be happy to form it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's why I'm so confused is because y'all are such experts at forming LLCs that I figured you must be one. <laughs> well, but Blue Pineapple Travel is an LLC. Is an LLC. There you go. <laughs> anyway. There you go. Okay. Um, very good. Well, I am glad to be with you, Michelle. I am happy to see you. Um, You've been killing it on the strength work. 
Um, yeah, I know. Strength work check-in is always the very first thing we do. And it's almost feels unnecessary at this point, three and a half months into the year, because you have actually like kept this resolution in an inspiring way. Tell us where you are with your strength work. Today was my 18th strength workout, which is three workouts a week for the last six weeks. Um, well, you know, I like kind of put my money literally where my mouth was. Um, I hired a strength coach mm -hmm. and as I guess you probably know, I really will just do what someone tells me to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so only one time did I feel like I've got to shift this from a Friday to a Sunday, but otherwise I'm pretty regular with the Monday, Wednesday, Friday strength work. Um, I've mostly been doing it before I run. He, I, a little bit, I have the option, but I just know from years of, you know, working with you that like kind of get, since running is the priority, if I can get the strength work in first, mm -hmm. um, then running on tired or legs or whatever afterwards, um, there's, there's just a benefit to that. So, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I have a pretty good setup and I, I asked him, I was like, should I get more stuff? And he's like, we can do so much with what you have, but what cool. I wanted, cause the next thing would be like, that's, a, a that's, that's actually a sign. I think of a good coach. Yeah. It, but, it, like, like it's, it's always a little bit of a red flag for me when a coach is like, you need to go out and buy these six items and spend hundreds of additional dollars yeah no yeah. but i was on the road site <laughs> mm -hmm. looking at like all the squat bars and <laughs> rogu you know that. now anyway, that you're so... now that you're now that you're a weightlifter and all <laughs> yeah now that i'm going up to like 35 pounds on dumbbells and i actually like i need a, a heavier kettlebell now so okay. no i mean it's fun to um there's like these small incremental gains Mm -hmm. you know besides the physical changes and and I really do feel better about even just like my body but I will say that um I feel like I've been running for and not that it's held me back in running but just these like my hamstring pain right or just um part of my strength routine was this hip mobility um and the first week or two, I couldn't even get into the position to even start the exercise because yeah. my hip flexors were so tight. Right. Um, and now I can just like go down on one leg and I don't have to brace myself for impact or anything. So mm. I'm seeing all sorts of little changes that I feel like are making running feel better. Good. Um, and he really, he has my run schedule. I get it like for a month at a time mm -hmm. and he defaults to that. So he'll send a week's work that workouts and, um, you know, he'll say, and we're going to go lighter on Friday because you have a Ragnar relay this weekend mm -hmm. or something like right. that, which might also be coming up. So yeah, <laughs> it's good. I like it. <laughs> good. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you, Michelle. You're, you're, you're doing great. Um, I think it's like, yeah, you've told us on multiple occasions about how your hamstrings in particular feel better and about how your body just in general seems to be moving more the way that it's intended to move, which is very yeah, much I a mean, cool thing. I'm also, I mean, I am also a bit exhausted. It is a, a whole new Right. Um, like routine to get into just to get my body used to running with all this additional um, strength work. But it's also just a really bad time of year for me work-wise. So I'm sure it's just compounded everything. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I like really like in my day right now is is the strength stuff. So I'm That's pretty cool. happy with it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. To, to circle back around to one thing you mentioned just a minute ago about whether you do it before or after, um, different coaches have different ideas about that. I always break it down based upon what your target event actually is. If you're a marathoner or a triathlete or an ultra distance athlete, I always say that doing it after is better um, because your workouts that you do are never about hitting a particular pace and trying to like burn a particular pace into your neuromuscular system and into um, all that sort of thing. Um, and so if you're training for a 5k or something and you need to make sure that you're running mile pace or faster, then, then yeah, I think you probably need to go into your workouts a little bit fresher and then maybe do your, your strength work afterwards. Um, but I think if you're, if you're somebody who's training for a race where like a marathon where you're not really running all that fast, but it's about yeah. trying to mm -hmm. maintain something that is trying to maintain a, a brisk pace, um, when you're tired, I actually think you're better off doing your strength work first. Um, 
but regardless whether you do it first or last or whenever i think it's just good to be doing it period um yeah i i, I will say that um like when we went to elemental altitude and we did that workout monday morning so on a day like that then i would always get in because running in the workout is the priority I would do the workout first and I would do the strength work later in the day. Mm -hmm. And, and he was pretty, you know, he was pretty clear that the only time he would definitely want the strength work to default to after is if I had a workout that day. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, I just sort of get up and do it. And, um, and I try to just put on my running shoes and go right into the run. Um, mm -hmm. cause too much time like today, for instance, uh, you know, 7am strength. And then I, really just got off the treadmill right now. So I'll just push the runoff forever, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's almost 6 p.m., by the way, uh, for, yeah. for, for context here on the Friday before the Boston Marathon. So, um, well, very good. I'm, I'm, I'm psyched for you. I have been doing very little strength work, but I have been doing some. So, so I, I, I have not been doing nearly what you've been doing the three times 30 minutes a week, but I have been doing two times 10 to 15 minutes a week, um, which is not nothing. It's way better than nothing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not nothing, but, but, but I, I'm, I'm inspired by, by what you've been doing. I think it's great. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you mentioned a second ago, we should probably mention as well, you and I are getting ready for the Ragnar ultra relay next weekend. So are we, we had had our planning meeting with our friend in front of the podcast, Allison Mercer, and our friend in front of the podcast, Justin Dugan, uh, just a couple of days ago, talking about who's going to bring what and how we're going to fuel and the way the break, the race is organized and all that sort of thing. Are you psyched? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very pregnant pause. <laughs> I, am, I, I am like just wondering what I was thinking. Um, this race falls the weekend after the tax deadline. Mm -hmm. It happens to be a bit of an exhausting time for me right now um, sure. in, in my work life. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what I was thinking, like staying up all night to run um, right immediately after I'm, you know, coming <laughs> off of this season of my life. But yeah, I'm getting pretty excited. I, I was actually thinking um, about bringing my hammock. We didn't talk about that. When we, we talked did. about everything we're bringing, but I don't know if there's even trees in the area yeah. where we're going to it depends but, uh, on there is yeah. there is it's depend depends on where we actually choose what campsite we actually choose some are indeed in an open field but then some are kind of ringed by trees and stuff so we could probably get one that's near some trees yeah i'm determined to get some sleep there. that night so, we'll see <laughs> yeah well you know it's funny during the blue ridge relay um which lasts actually longer than than this Ragnar relay will last and, and involves significantly more running actually it involves about 60 percent more running um, uh, I usually don't sleep. I usually don't sleep at all. Um, whereas the three times that I've done a Ragnar relay, I actually have been sleeping. Um, now I haven't done the ultra division that you and I are doing, which means that we're going to be running twice as often. Um, and so I might not end up sleeping any just because it's going to be time to run again, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but, but we'll see. Um, and so, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes, but I'm, I'm confident after having done the Blue Ridge Relay five times that I can make it through the night without sleeping right. if need be, you know, I'm not so confident, but I guess we're about to find out. <laughs> right. Right. I, I actually, I'm curious to see how it goes for you. <laughs> given Why? The way because that, I don't function give, after 9 p.m. Yeah, basically, because given the way that you're such an early riser and then you just completely just shut down right around 8 p.m. every single night. Um, oh, I so yeah. so yeah. I, I I look forward to seeing how it goes for you. I, <laughs> I, I I think one way or another you'll be fine, of course. Um, but uh, but I do look forward to seeing how it goes for you. Um, I will bring my uh, my chocolate covered coffee beans that I see sitting on the desk over here near me. Um, which do they have extra caffeine in them? So I mean, they're literally coffee beans. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we are, of course, going to preview the Boston Marathon here. That's the reason why we're recording on a Friday afternoon, uh, Friday evening, really. Um, and uh, I'll edit it real quick and put it out there so the folks can actually listen to it. Imagine this prior to the Boston Marathon on Monday morning. Um, but I know that you and I are both super psyched about that. 
before we talk about the Boston Marathon, um, I do want to remind everybody about the book of the quarter, Fit Nation, The Gains and Pains of America's Exercise Obsession by Natalia Melman Petrozella. Um, we're going to discuss that sometime over the course of the next couple of weeks, and I look forward to our discussion on it. I will say, if you haven't started it, don't start it. Um, but if you uh, if you if you have read it, then by all means, stay tuned for our uh, our discussion. Uh, and the reason why I say don't start it is because I don't think any of the three of us really would recommend it. <laughs> is, is that fair? Is that fair to say, Michelle? It might be like a George and Eric discussion. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, no, don't start it. I, I, can't. I, I, I don't know that I can do it, honestly. Um, I really enjoyed the introduction. So by all means, go to yes, but the book your is local not bookseller. About... Right. That's go to your local bookseller, read the introduction and ponder that central argument. But but I'm now more than halfway through the book and she hasn't circled back around to what I thought based on the introduction was her central argument, which I thought was a fantastic argument. There is a lot of overlap with Danielle Friedman's book, Let's Get Physical, that we read last year. Um, but frankly, I think Danielle Friedman writes about it in a much more engaging way. Would you agree with that, Michelle? Oh, yeah, 100 yeah. percent. I love Danielle's book. And me too. If this read like Danielle's book, then I'd be super psyched to review it with you guys i'm just not sure i'm gonna Me have too. been able to read enough of it to partake in a review but we'll see you will you will we just you still got a couple of weeks here even though the quarter ended two weeks ago <laughs> you still got a couple of weeks and we've already been batting around a lot of different titles that we're thinking about for our next book of the quarter here um and uh actually whatever our next book of the quarter is i'm pretty excited about because we've talked about a few different things that we are considering and there's lots of good books out so yeah for sure um, I also feel obliged to mention here, I mean, we haven't gotten together like just us and talked a whole lot over the course of the past couple of weeks for podcasts and stuff. Like we took our field trip to Elemental Altitude and we had that fantastic interview with Brett Larner a couple of weeks ago that that uh, you and I both really appreciated and enjoyed. Um, but we haven't actually been able to get together uh, and lots of things have happened in the meantime. Um, and one of the things that happened in the meantime was Camille Heron running 270 miles in 48 hours. And almost as if on cue, as soon as I mention an ultra event, Eric Hall pops into the waiting room. So let's let really? him in. Yeah, so let's let him in. <laughs> Why are you letting him in? He said he's so, not So I'm, 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 I'm letting him in now. So he must have heard like the clarion call of, of ultra running and said, oh wait, they're talking about ultras. I gotta get in there. <laughs> All right. He sensed it. Hey Eric, glad to see you buddy. How's everything going? It's going all right. So we were uh, we had just talked about the book of the quarter, and uh, we had just said that uh, we were about to start previewing the Boston Marathon. But before we did that, we had to give a shout out to uh, Camille Heron for having run 270 miles in a 48 hour period, thereby setting the new world record for mileage in a 48 hour period for women, and the new American record for a 48 hour event for both men and women. Uh, running farther in 48 hours than any man or woman from the United States has or had. Um, what do you think about it, Eric? Two, 270 miles, man. It's insane. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've only done less than half of that in one, one go at it. And that's, <clears throat> and the pace at which she does this at yeah. Yeah. is doubly insane. Yeah. So she, when as, as most folks who listen to the podcast know, when you start an ultra race, like your moving time is not what counts. It's, it's the total time, of course, that counts. She averaged uh, under 11 minute pace per mile, but that averages in all the amount of time that she was just flat stopped on the side of the track. Um, including like a 30 to 40 minute time at the halfway point, right, right after the 24 hour mark and several eight to 10 minute breaks that she took during the second day. Um, and so despite all of those zeros being averaged in, she was still under 11 minute pace average for the entire thing, which is incredible. I, I can't remember if it was the first like 70 or 80 miles. Mm -hmm. She was averaging like eight minute miles. Yeah, she was so under nine minute pace. Yeah. She said that she specifically went out much faster because she wanted to make sure and get as many of the records on the way to the 48 hour <laughs> record that she could. Right. right. Mostly because the other previous times that she had tried this, um, she had failed. And she actually was on the Let's Run podcast this week. She told those guys that the reason why she failed 
was because she wore carbon plated shoes and mm. they just, she was in so much pain that she wasn't able to finish her first two attempts, which I mm. thought was pretty interesting. So I've, I've seen, I, I, I've seen that she said on a few different places or in a few different places over the course of the past couple of weeks, since she set this record that carbon plated shoes don't work for her in these ultra, ultra long events, which is interesting because she was kind of an early adopter of the Vaporfly for ultra events. You remember when she set the the record for 100 miles, um, she wore a couple of different pairs of Vaporflies along the way. Um, and so she's kind of turned 180 degrees when it comes to carbon plated shoes. And she ran this entire thing wearing Hoka Rincons, wasn't it? Yeah. And she basically said it felt like her feet were breaking the first two times. Like she was in so much pain. Um, so, but when she wore those vapor flies, was she on a track or was she on the road? I don't know. It's funny. I, I, I forget that she was, she was a Nike athlete for that little mm -hmm. bit of time. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, mm -hmm. she ran through every weather condition also in that, like, I remember every time I, <laughs> You yeah, know, it was, one in, it was in, we should say it was in Australia, by the way. And and yeah. as I just alluded to, it was actually on a track. She was running laps around a track. You know, she ran through every type of weather condition possible over the 48 hours. It was hot in the day. It was cold at night. There were times where it was torrential downpour. But man, every time I looked at that feed, she just was running and running. And it's pretty incredible. So yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, just for a second to get back to the carbon plated shoes, I'm sure she just ruined the carbon plated shoe industry <laughs> for tens of thousands of people. And and what's sad about that who, is who, who run 48 hour races. <laughs> yeah, but, well, good point. There's probably 10 people who run 48 hour races. Yeah. And they're never buying carbon shoes again. <laughs> no, but my, my point was, let's take into account that she's one of one. And she's talking probably only about the Hoka Carbon X. Hmm. Right? I mean, maybe. Like, I, I, I don't know what shoes she was wearing during her abortive attempts in the past. Um, did she say, like, where were the two 48-hour times that she tried before and she couldn't do it because her feet were breaking, Michelle? Like, was she sponsored remember. by Hoka I mean, then? They, or was she sponsored track by... Attempts. I, I, I do think both times were were Hoka sponsorships because they were both within the last two years, I think. Okay. And we should probably check the dates just to make sure. But remember, she didn't really even come into like the ultra, ultra scene like this. She's only mm -hmm. a few years into these crazy 24 hour, 24 hour plus attempts. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. So maybe the first time it was Nike, but definitely one of the times it was Hoka. Um. Mm -hmm. And this time, obviously she's Lululemon, she she says she's a Lululemon and Coros athlete, so she can choose what shoes she wants to wear. And she's been really careful in these interviews, um, like not to give Hoka any, and to her credit, she doesn't have to give any shoe brand any credit, but mm -hmm. um, you know, she's not really, she doesn't want to talk about the shoes, so to speak, because she's okay. not sponsored by a shoe company. Um, right. But, right. and she just, she re- uh, she redirects the question to saying she's so thankful that her sponsors, Lululemon and Coros, allow her to wear whatever shoes she wants, right. which I think is is pretty interesting. Um, which are typically Hoka's. Right. Yeah, she has stated that. But it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Non-plated Hoka's. Yeah. She's going... Um, she's going to Western States, and then she's also registered for the Level 100. So we'll see what she... Um, It'd be hysterical if she showed up to Western States in a pair of Nike trail shoes, but hey, listen, <laughs> who cares? I hope, you know, I'm I'm rooting for her at Western States. Yeah. She's had a really hard time there and she keeps on sticking her nose back in it and saying she wants to win it. And she doesn't have a lot of supporters when you get over to that type of ultra trail scene. Um, mm. And she keeps trying. So kudos to her. Indeed. Kudos to her. Kudos to her. Um, Eric, we're going to talk about the Boston Marathon. Are you going to stick around and talk about it with us? I sure am. All right. Very cool. Well, let's talk about the Boston Marathon then. We are less than 48 hours away and uh, from the Boston Marathon by the time that I actually put out this podcast here. Um, and I, I'm actually as excited about this uh, as I've been about any race that I'm not running in a while. Um, I, uh, I, had been looking forward to it. Of course, like anybody else, I've been looking forward to it for several months watching Ellie Kipchoge run the uh, the the Boston Marathon. Um, but 
I was listening to a podcast that you pointed me to the other day, Michelle, with CJ Albertson uh, talking and, and the podcast itself was kind of so-so, but he said in that podcast that there's a very real possibility that the lead pack go out under 60 minutes for the first half of the course. Um, after all, Elliot Kipchoge in Berlin went out under 60 minutes just a few months ago here, and that was not on a course that dropped 200 plus feet, 300 feet in the first four miles. Um, that prospect is pretty cool. <laughs> so I'll tell you, it's interesting. Um, I just got off. I was on the treadmill for about 70 minutes. And during this time, I went to the Sidious Mag YouTube page and I played every single interview that they did after the press conference today. Mm, cool. um, and CJ is not the only person who thinks that this is going to go out pretty fast. Mm -hmm. They, when they asked, um, you know, I think maybe they asked Scott or Connor, Man like, do you think you, do you imagine yourself leading? Um, and the general consensus was, no, even if I wanted to be leading, I'm not going to be able to be. Yeah. yeah. So I guess there's, there's something, something in the air, mm -hmm. <laughs> something, you know, that is making everybody believe that the, that the men are going out really hot. Um, mm -hmm. I sent you that interview Jonathan Galt did with Kipchoge himself. And he asked yeah. him, does he care about, is he going for the course record? Right. I think he, he said, was trying to, to he, said, he, said, he said, I'm going, he said, I'm going for the win. I'm going yeah. for the win. But I think he was indirectly trying to get an idea of like, what sure. is your race plan? Are you going to go out fast? But yeah, man, because, because that course record, remember is just barely over two Oh three. Yeah. And so, and you don't run two Oh three on the Boston course, unless you start running that fast from right. the gun. But um, yeah. I think Kobe, that course record was set with a it tailwind. Was, it was set with a with a significant tailwind. Yeah, not the drink tailwind, but so, a so. actual tailwind <laughs> with, with 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 a pretty huge tailwind. As a matter of fact, at the time that that course record was run, it was the fastest that a marathon had ever been run, mm -hmm. um, and it was only about fifteen years ago. Um, now, since then, of course, there's been lots of people without tailwinds that have run under two hundred three and even under two hundred two. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, it's an extremely strong course record because of the conditions in which it was set. Yeah. Um, if he was able to go out there on Monday and, and set a course record, that would just be kind of an amazing thing. But, but as I'm saying, if, if he wants to run 203 flat, which is what, which would be a new course record, you'd have to do like, there's no, there's no time to rest in that. You'd have to sure. do that from the start. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love how we're talking about time to rest running sub five minute miles for oh, a marathon. Well, sub five minute miles, <laughs> sub 450 miles. Yeah, yeah. No, you just know, I mean, yeah. it's only Friday, but some of us have been looking at the weather for almost a week now. And mm -hmm. I, also, that's the fascinating thing for me is I keep checking the weather in Boston and I'm not even, and going. You're not even going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited about the race that I want to yeah. be as much a part of it as I can. But it does look like um, 48 and rain with, you know, it doesn't look like temperatures rising that much, but it does look like a nine to 15 mile an hour headwind. Right. So I have to think that if that is really the conditions, it would be it would be so shocking to see these guys go out blasting fast. Yeah. yeah. Like, are they going to go out like CJ Albertson did? <laughs> like, like, right. Well, I mean, and to your point, CJ Albertson in that interview that I heard with him was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be go, but right. able to go out fast like that. I'm not going to be able to take a two minute lead by halfway. Like I did a right. couple of years ago where he really made a name for himself because right. people are going to be running that fast and I can't keep up with them. And and um, he said that in the press conference today in the yeah. Sidious Mag interview after the presses um, that he, you would not see him leading um, that, yeah. you know, he said he himself said he ate eight weeks ago, he wasn't in shape at all. Um, and he, and he feels like he's in pretty good shape now, but that we wouldn't see him leading the race this year. Right. So. Right. Um, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I have said to y'all that if Elliot Kachogi is going to be beaten now, let's presume, of course, he's fit. He's not injured. Let's presume like something doesn't happen to him over the weekend. You know, heaven forbid that that he gets food poisoning or something else like that. Let's just say that that he shows up to the finish or the starting line, like ready to run and everything's OK. Um, and so presuming all of that, um, uh, the only way that I see that he gets beaten even though there are some great, great other runners in this in this men's race that we'll talk about here in just a minute. And of course, we'll talk about the women's race too. Um, but the only way that he gets beaten is if they run the first 20 or 21 miles, basically to the top of, of Heartbreak Hill. 
at a relaxed pace um, that he just kind of chills. And then it just turns into like a five mile drag race. Um, the last two years, that's what it's been. Um, if you look at uh, when it was won last year um, by Evans Chibet, he ran last year the 5K from 35K to 40K in 1355. He went 427, 426, 426 for miles 22, 23, 24. 1355, right? The year before that, it was won by Capruto, uh, by Vincent or Benson Capruto. Um, and he basically did the same thing, uh, running 1406 from 35K to 40K. I think that that the only way that Elliot Kipchoge loses is if maybe that headwind like slows everybody down or maybe it makes him not want to take the lead and push the pace early or something else like that. And then it just turns into this 8 to 10K drag race um, to the finish line. And I think some of those people might be able to run a faster 8K than 39-year-old Elliot Kipchoge can. But I could be totally wrong about that. You know, I would I mean, just say that some of those people is probably we can probably narrow it down to just those three guys: Chibet, yeah. Kipruto, and Kipchoge. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. Yeah, but they but they asked him in the interview. They they replayed the whole story from last year. You know, did you watch the race? Did you see him? Do you think you can do that? And Kipchoge was totally unfazed by that. He's yeah. like, okay, well, if he does that, I'll do that. You know, like, yeah. okay, if that's the race, that's the race. Like, right. He's right. just, um, gosh, he's just so chill. <laughs> right. Well, and, and plus, if you consider that his world record pace is is only about 15 to 20 seconds per mile or per 5K slower than that anyway. Right. So so he's like, OK, so he sped up a little bit at the end. No big deal. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> which is just such a ridiculous thing to say. Right. And he's like, he's like, you know, if we run slow at the beginning, I can kick, too. What's to, what's to say that I can't run 1345? It's just insane how 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 incredibly fast these these guys are. I um, did quarter mile repeats this morning at five twenty eight <laughs> five thirty, and I could not believe how fast that was. Yeah, you did them in like eighty two, eighty three for, for yeah, yeah, very nice for, for, for a quarter mile. Nice. What in the world are these guys talking about? Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. All right, so let's let's talk about we we referred to some of these guys here. So in the men's race, you of course have Elliot Kipchoge, the world record holder, which we should say he just set that world record a couple months ago in Berlin. Right? That's not like oh he's you know he set the world record back in two thousand fifteen. No, he set the world record last year six months ago um in berlin um he's run 17 marathons 15 of them were wins um he's had uh two more marathons in which he ran right at two hours of course one time he ran under two hours we all know about elliot kipchoge uh, but then you also have evans chibet who won both boston and the new york city marathon last year he's won five out of his last six marathons and he is i think inarguably the second best marathon in the world behind elliot kipchoge um Benson Capruto, who we just talked about as well, won Chicago just a few months ago uh, in 2022, and he won Boston in 2021. Um, he was third in Boston last year. Uh, you have Ga uh, Gabriel Guillet, who has run 203 flat in Valencia just last year, which is the number eight all-time time. time. Uh, he was fourth in Boston last year uh, in 2022. Shura Katata, who won London in 2020, which is significant because that's the last time that Kachoe lost a marathon. Like I said, he's only lost twice. One of them was his very first one. The other one was the 2020 London where Shura Katata won and Shura Katata is in the field on, on Monday. Lisa DeCiso won Boston in 2013 and 2015. He was a world champion in 2019. Uh, you have another two, sub-204 guy named Herpasa Nagasa. You have five more guys that have personal bests under 206. Um, and then just to kind of round it all out, you also have the New York City Marathon champ from 2021, um, uh, Albert Career. Um, he hasn't run as fast as those other guys, but he's won a major race, a world marathon major. Um, on the American side, you have Connor Mance and Scott Fobble, who were the two best Americans last year. Both of them ran 208. Scott Fobble ran 208 in Boston. Um, and then he was also the top American in the New York City Marathon last year. And then Connor Mance, who we've talked about a lot, he had his first debut marathon last year, um, running 208.16 in Chicago, the second fastest debut ever by an American runner. And it was the top American performance of 2022. You also have Matt McDonald, Nico Montanez, uh, Mick Icafano, CJ Albertson, who we talked about before, Nathan Martin, Colin Mikau, Ben True, your boy, 
and Sam Chalanga are all a part of the, the Americans in the elite field too. So I don't expect to see any of those guys. I just said any of those Americans on the podium. And I think that's okay. Just given how incredibly deep this field is this year. Um, this is probably the, the best men's field that's ever been assembled for the Boston marathon. One of the best fields that's ever been assembled for any marathon. And it's actually weaker than the women's field. So, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Scott Fobble said he's in the best shape of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because in their in the pressers, him and Emma Bates both refer. We'll talk about her when we talk about the women, but they both referred to the lactate test, lactate testing yeah. that they do. Um, that Joe Bossard does on them once a week, and on, they on said, the treadmill. Yeah, like lactate test, like you know, blood doesn't win marathons or whatever, but they said that they could actually see such a drastic improvement um, from where they started and what their fitness is now from those lactate blood levels that I thought that was really interesting. They yeah. both they both reflected on that as something that like makes them feel really confident going into Monday's race. I, I totally um, get that. I mean, so, so what they do is they do a tempo workout on the treadmill every week and along the way they're taking their lactate. Yeah. They're, 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 they're drawing blood from their fingers to, to, to measure their blood lactate. Um, and they've seen market improvement in that over time. And, and it gives them a lot of confidence. I mean, we, we've talked about this in other contexts before. When you get that data when you and, and you translate that data into information, um, it can it can very much change your approach and your mindset to, to different aspects of your training and, of course, your fitness. And so. So, yeah, I get that. I think it's sort of an interesting thing. It feels so old school, but. Yeah. Cool. I'm with it. I'm with Uh, it. And I'd love to see. um, I think it'll be Scott or Connor between top American, Mm -hmm. but I would love to see Ben True in that top top three Americans. But I'm always, you know, I'm a a tried and true Ben True fan. (laughs) (laughs) I would too. Um, Yeah, I would too. I think he's a, he's, he's a great runner who, who has not gotten enough credit uh, for as great a runner as he is. Um, And so, so I would certainly like to see him be the top American there because there is some honor in being the top American at the Boston marathon for sure. Um, And so, so I look forward to seeing that. Um, Like I said, I don't expect to see any of those guys on the podium and that's okay. Just given how deep and how, how impressive this field is. Um, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, what percentage chance, Eric, do you give Ellie Kipchoge to, for winning on Monday? Hmm. Mm. So, and this is, this is again, assuming that nothing happens, like he shows up, everything's good, right? He doesn't fall down the stairs in his hotel. I feel bad even like putting that on the right. No, no, no. I, but <laughs> I, I don't know why you have to keep I know, right? with, that, with like, all these various ways. Assume everybody shows up healthy. Like <laughs> yeah. the only thing I'm concerned about is the weather because much like many field sports, I think the weather can be a great equalizer. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, shoes get wet. Uh, headwinds mm-hmm. in running at that pace, mm-hmm. they become critical yeah because you you need somebody to to go out front and then you need to conserve who's that going to be right and if it's the three of them it's going to be him it's i mean it's it's right it's got to be him if it's not him then they're going to settle in and it's going to be that foot race for the last you know five to ak and i don't think sure michelle he's very confident in an interview but i don't think that's his race I don't think so either. I agree with you. He's shown that he can win in a variety of ways. And so I still wouldn't bet against him. But if it, I think the safest, the best play to beat him is, is that's the play. You know? So taking the weather out, I'm, I'm like 95%, 95, 97%. He's right. going to take the win. And I, I don't think it's going to be a 12 second win. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a, he, he dusts them. Yeah, and they start fighting for second and third, and then it starts into like the strategic second, you know, third, maybe the podium finish. Mm, but I agree, kind of like what happened in the Olympics. Yeah, yep. yeah. But putting the weather into it, I think you're looking. I think he's down more in the sixty-nine to seventy-one percent mark. I think we're 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 taking a big hit on on betting on Kipchoge, taking into account the weather. Still agreed. 
I still think he can crush it, but there's just too much in weather and wet shoes and all the trash that comes along with that. Several years ago, I remember talking, and this is like literally when I was in high school, I remember talking to the coach at the University of Georgia about distance races and the wind. And he said, he said, I hate the wind. And I, I, I have come to agree with him very much. He said, I hate the wind when it comes to a distance race, because you might as well just line up all the people at the 100 meter starting line and have them sprint. And whoever wins that sprint's going to win the race. <laughs> uh, and, 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 I, and I think he's right because um, because that's what it comes down to. And and when you think about that in terms of a marathon, it's the same. It's just that the sprint, if you will, is the last 5K or 8K. <laughs> yeah. um, and and the Boston course sets up really well for that. Um, yeah. So so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the women's race. Uh, Michelle, take us through it. <laughs> um this is by far the deepest women's field we've ever seen there was you know a bunch of talk when boston was announced and then london was announced and which field is deeper and and london does have a really amazing field but they've had a few a few notable women um drop out so i think you know the the most interesting thing at least in terms of the international women um we have bariso who came out and ran like a 214 in Valencia. Um, they announced her at the pressers today, having never run Boston before, which was hysterical because I think she actually ran Boston <laughs> in 2016. I think she ran like 240 or something. Yeah. 239. She was she was top 20, but she was she wasn't the she wasn't notable, right? Right. right. Um so I, I don't know what this 214 in Valencia was. Like I don't I don't know if she's coming into Boston um, in 214 high shape. I don't actually understand how she got in 214 shape. Well, nobody um, does, right? Yeah, nobody does. And obviously, <laughs> Here we go again. Conspiracy theory, Michelle. <laughs> okay, well, conspiracy theory. Did you watch Edna Kip Kiplagat receive her, uh, you know, first place? <laughs> 2021? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they did the award ceremony, you know, so my conspiracy theory, my suspicion is very well founded here. Well, let's let, 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 let's let's go ahead and explain what you're just talking about. So in 2021, Rita Jeptu was the winner um, and she has subsequently tested positive, which means that Edna Kiplagat has now been named the 2021 champion. Um, and but since everybody's here in Boston now, including Edna Kiplagat, who is going to be running the race on Monday, um, she uh, she they had a ceremony in which they crowned her the 2021 champion, yeah. which she now officially is, which is good. Um. So, I mean, after Bariso, you have a few women that are 217 runners, but there's this huge gap between her and them. And I think if we're talking about, you know, in this group of women, you know, my money would be on Jeff Cosguy. Like, I actually think she's probably the best international runner um, in the field coming. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see what she's done. Um, she has done better on the flatter, faster courses than she has in in Boston, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I, I I just the one thing I kind of hope about the weather is that if it is really bad, um, I think we'll see a more uh you know, if if, if it's if the lead pack is just all international women, we're mm -hmm. not going to get to see like the amazingness of the American women's race play out. So yeah. I'm kind of hoping that this doesn't go out blazing fast, that everybody mm -hmm. sort of sticks together for a long time. Um, we just spoke about Edna Kiplagat. So obviously she won in 2021. I think she was 41 then. So mm -hmm. she's 43 now um, yeah. in the last few years, like her husband and coach, uh, they moved to Boulder, they moved their kids there, but she actually, because of, um, the weather in Boulder this past winter, she went back to Kenya to train and left her family in Boulder. Mm -hmm. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, there are other notable women running uh, Sarah Vaughn, Emma Bates, like these women had to deal with the Boulder winter and not, you know, and doing a lot of their runs on the treadmill, but Edna had this super solid block in, you know, over in Africa. And you can never count her out, even though most yeah. people think she's 43. She was already too old. She's already the oldest woman to win. She said she's going back to break that record. So she, you know, she's she was the oldest woman at 41, and now she wants to be the oldest woman to win at 43. She, she, so, she's won two of the last five Boston marathons. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think that 
that if you see her um, not in the lead pack, but people are going out way too fast, you will see her reel them in, in the last five miles. Like you will see her passing people, assuming she has kind of an okay day. So yeah, she is made of steel. Yeah. She's incredible in the, in the back half of a race. And then of course we have Helen O'Beary, who is a late entrant. Um, we did see her run New York. She has joined Dathan Ritzenheim's, um, on athletics club group. She is training in Boulder. Um, she ran New York and she had a great like 22 miles. And then she faded pretty, pretty poorly in the last four miles. But she said at this point, she didn't know how to take her bottles in New York. Like she was Hmm. kind of a super novice. Um, and she's now had an actual marathon training cycle. She posted a 22, 20 or 22 mile run at five. 04 pace or 520 pace in Boulder. I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. She so, she she ran with Joe Flecker, right? Unbelievable. Like yeah. I don't. No, nobody that is in a league of its own. Yeah. Um. Now, did she run her best day? You know, in that workout, so to speak. Right. Um. If that was really just a workout, if that then then she's. I don't know that there's anybody in this field in better shape than her. Right. So it'll be. Gosh, it's going to be really cool to see her run. Absolutely. And then, I don't know, pick an American female marathoner that you like, one, anyone, all of them. They're all here, <laughs> right? Like, we, we are missing Kira D'Amato. She did um, withdraw from an injury earlier in the year. She is healthy. She is going to open her season running mm-hmm. a road 10K, a local 10K. We, we, um, we are we are missing Molly Seidel, who is never going to be running the race. Don't get me wrong. But if we're just naming all the women that oh, we sure. like, she's not in the race. But okay, I agree with fair. you. It's pretty much everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much everybody else. Yeah. So, you know. Except for Molly Huddle. Molly Huddle is not there. I like her too. Um, but, but yeah, <laughs> Sarah Hall, Des Linden, Emma Bates, Dakota Lindworm, Laura Thweet, Nell Rojas, Annie Frisbee, Sarah Vaughn, Alephine Tulliamuk. Yeah. Um, so just a few, I watched every press conference that I could find today. Um, Des was really happy coming off her New York city half marathon. She, every single time she preps for Boston, she goes and runs that race and she ran it, uh, a pretty normal time for her for that race, like 72, 73 minutes, but she She finished fifth. Yeah. And she basically like destroyed the field in the second half of the race. So she was really happy with that. And she felt like she felt like she was in incredible shape for New York. Like she had a training block where everything clicked and the race just um, she was kind of like, well, what the hell was that? So she feels like she had another really solid training block. I think she's got a lot of good emotional momentum from her book release, Mm -hmm. which everybody should read. Did you guys read it? Not yet. I thought we might choose as a book of the quarter. So I was holding off. It only takes 30 minutes to read. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, if it's a book of the quarter, then we need to make it like a book of the week because it's not going to, it doesn't take a quarter. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, Obviously. I think it's interesting though. So on that note, I think it's interesting because I have read other people saying, oh, she's in the midst of this whirlwind book tour. That's got to be so draining. And you're actually saying that could be a positive thing. I think she is, um, I think she timed this so perfectly. She's been really careful with the tour. She's only gone a few places. She's only done one event in the places that she's gone. She's kept it all mostly, it seems like New York, Ohio, maybe Chicago. Like she didn't go very far west of New York, so to speak, once it released in New York. And she said um, there were parts of the training block that could have been tricky with the travel, but she said she nailed everything. So we... Saw Sarah Hall come back from what we thought was like a sickness, but I think it was actually COVID. And she did win. Um, she was top American just recently. Cherry Blossom, is that what it was? So yeah. it was really good to see her kind of return to form and just be excited to, to be out there and, and be racing again. The one interesting thing is um, Nell Rojas has really kind of made a name for herself in Boston the last two years. She's been the top American. Yeah, but, twice, right? Yeah, twice in a row. And then she was I mean, fifth I, one time, which is like a solid overall performance. Yeah, and I would like love to see her up there, but I just think there's this whole other level of fitness with with like Emma Bates and Sarah Hall than, than we might see from Nell, but... 
Um, sorry, I wanted to say there's a whole other level of fitness with Emma Bates, Sarah Hall, and Alephine um, mm -hmm. that we might see with Nell and some of the other American women. But that'll be that'll be like really interesting to watch play out. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I'd love to see her up there in the top three Americans. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I will say is Alephine said that her buildup to this marathon was either her best buildup ever or second to her buildup before she won the Olympic trials in 2020. So hmm. we haven't really seen her return to form since having her daughter. Obviously she went to Tokyo injured and she did have a really good run um, in New York, but I think she ran New York off of like a six week build. So it's a little bit scary to hear Alephine say that this might be the best build and the best fitness she's ever had. Cause I don't know what she can do with that, but yeah, it's going to be awesome. I, this is why I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. Um, it's worth mentioning two other things in addition to what all the stuff you just said. Um, uh, Des Linden has a new training approach. Um, her coach has her doing a lot fewer miles um, and doing more intensity. Um, and so we'll see whether that that changes things, right? Um, and so I, I, I kind of feel she's 39 years old. I think it's good once you get to be 39 years old and you're and you're still trying to to do it. To oh yeah. Try try new stuff. Try different things. Try try stimulus that you haven't used before in order to try and maybe access some places in your physicality that you haven't accessed before. And so I think that's cool. And on a similar note, Sarah Hall's birthday is Saturday before the marathon on Monday, and she is going to be turning 40 years 40? old. Yeah. So, Sarah so she's Hall's 40. So she, she, she will be on the starting line as a 40 year old. Wow. Um, and so, so we'll see what she runs as a 40 year old here. Um, I, I intended to look up and see what the record was for 40 year old women in the United States for marathons. And I didn't do it. Um, but she ran 222 twice last year. I can't imagine yeah, it's faster than that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, other American women worth tracking um, Dakota Linworm, you know, Lara Thweet is, is always, She's actually had a some pretty good performances lately. Annie Frisbee, um, Sarah Vaughn will be back out there. So she had that. Dakota Linworm's part of the Puma fam, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and so is Sarah Vaughn. Yeah, she is. I wasn't is sure Annie about Sarah Frisbee? Vaughn, but I wasn't gonna say it. So is Annie also Puma? We'll we'll, we'll take her. It's a big tent. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I could be super wrong about that, but. I'm just blinking. Anyway, so yeah, it's cool always when Sarah Vaughn, you know, manages a real estate career for kids and uh, training for the marathon. So she had a really um, bad experience at Boston last year. So she even, and she did run a small PR there. It was her second marathon. So she's kind of looking for a little bit of redemption. She says she's in the best shape of her life. So um I don't know what to do with all these women. Emma Bates actually said, <laughs> hold on. Emma Bates said in her, in her presser that she was in 217, 218 shape. Awesome. So I don't know what that means on a Boston course, but like an American woman to say she's in 217, 218 shape. We don't, we don't, that's not, Good that's stuff. unchartered territory for American for women sure. in America. For sure. Annie yeah. Frisbee is part of the Puma fan. Yes, I knew it. Oh, confirmed. yeah. Okay. Confirmed. Very good. I never doubted you, Michelle. And I, um, I actually think none of them are wearing the Fast R. They're wearing hmm. the Deviate Nitro Elite. Really? But we'll have to wait and see. Hmm. I like the Fast R a lot more, but they, they, they can do what works best for them. <laughs> so very good. Very good. Awesome. All right. Last question here, because we got we got to wrap up and and go start preparing ourselves and and listening to all the podcasts and reading all the articles and everything else. Uh, in addition to the ones we've already done, uh, how are you going to follow it on Monday, Michelle? Okay, so this is a huge problem actually that I'm freaking out about, and only because I read today that it's a different type of coverage this year. It's not NBC and it's ESPN, and there's a blackout locally. Mm -hmm. So it's ESPN, but the question is, is, is it ESPN plus? Is it ESPN plus plus? Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for all these posts on Twitter that are like, these are your options for watching the marathon on Monday. Well, it's, um, it's going to, it's going to be on the ESPN network. I mean, it's If you have cable, you can watch it on and you have the ESPN channel, you can watch that. But I mean, you know, and we're never going to see the women. 
So the I, men I, go I, first. Yeah. If ESPN, I mean, holy moly, if ESPN runs split screens, man, I'll be ESPN's biggest fan. I'll buy some stuff. <laughs> I just don't believe they're gonna do it. I think it's we'll gonna be um so I, I hope there's other feeds running that you know, I, I hope there's options. So yeah. I actually don't know how I'm gonna watch it. Me too. Me too. Uh, the men start at 9.37 a.m. The women start at 9.47 a.m. And so we will look forward to seeing both of, of those go off. Um, last thing I want to do is is give a shout out to the people that we know that are running, uh, that are friends of the podcast here. Um, Eric Letbetter, uh, who's a friend of the podcast that you'll recall, we had on in 2020 when Boston announced that they were not going to be happening that year. Um, and uh, he had qualified for the first time at the Flying Pig Marathon in 2019 um, and ended up doing virtual Boston in 2020. Um, he requalified and is now doing uh, Boston in person here in 2023. So uh, congrats to Eric, and we will be following him. Uh, one of my training partners, Lindsay Weibel, is getting her sixth star at the, at the Boston Marathon. Um, the funny thing about that is that she only had three stars this time last year. <laughs> Um, and she did the London Marathon with me this past fall in October. She did the Tokyo Marathon last month, and she's doing the Boston Marathon this month. And so uh, excited for her to get her sixth star. Uh, another one of my training partners, Katie Burke, is getting her fifth star. Um, I ran London with her um, in in October, and then she's going to be getting her fifth star. Uh, she, like me, after this year, is only going to have Tokyo left. Um, Smith Abarki, who came on to the podcast to talk about the Tokyo Marathon a couple of years ago to give a race report for it. Uh, she is going to be, be uh, running the Boston Marathon. This may be her sixth star. I'm not sure. I'll have to check on that and find out. Um, and then last but not least that I'll mention is James Aldridge, who we've talked about a lot on this podcast and who Eric and I interviewed earlier this week as part of a race report podcast. And so we had a 30-minute conversation with him where we talked about his training and his build-up for the race. Um, and then, of course, he's going to run on Monday, and and we'll circle back around with him afterwards to hear how it went for him. And so uh, good luck, of course, to James, and we look forward to hearing all the details later on. But uh, Eric, Lindsay, Katie, Smitha, and James, good luck to all of y'all along with uh, everybody else who's running. Um, anybody to add, Michelle? Well, I would add Dara Steel Belkin. Is she, well, so I was thinking of whether we were going to add Dara. I didn't forget Dara. I just did. I didn't know whether she was running, but I should have presumed that she does because yeah. this is like you know this is like her local road race. Um, um, Shawana White's running with a group of women. Um, should be fun to 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 follow her also. And yeah, I would say if you're running, uh, bring an extra pair of shoes and socks to the Athletes Village. <laughs> bring a, a garbage bag to sit on the ground on. So. Very good. Very good. Very good. Good luck to Shawana. And of course, good luck to front of the podcast, Dara, who was on here with me and Michelle and Eric uh, yeah. in 2020. So very good. I, I ran with Eric on Thursday. So that was his last like easy run. So if he has a good race, then I'll take a little bit of credit for it. As you should. As you should. <laughs> so Eric Hall, thank you for joining us, man. Uh, it's always better when you get here, even if it's a little bit late. It was great being here. Thank you for allowing me into the room to participate today. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Michelle, thanks for being here. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. Enjoy your marathon watching. Bye-bye. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, on Instagram at mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at itlcoaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonCPA.com.
On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.